And then it says, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And I was reading in a book called uh, Present Over Perfect, and she's talking about each soul is worthy because God made every soul, and because of his love, his son came to earth and walked among us. Because God's love for us is deep and wide, and it's elaborate. And that's the thing that our very, our soul, and our we long for that, to know that we're worthy and we're loved by someone. On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Tonight's toxic thought that we are going to reframe is nobody loves me and maybe you can hear Rico (laughs) oh dear (laughs) okay so the thing is I just walked into my house and I've already let him go outside but he's going haywire because he wants someone to play with him so and he's probably thinking nobody loves me I think that's what he's thinking right now so (laughs) I don't know let me see if I can give him some love that's what he needs Oh, okay, now if you could see him, I've got him now kind of scratching his, his little chest now, so he's he's a little happier. But at any rate, we are going to unpack that toxic thought, nobody loves me, and I'm sure that most of us have felt that way from time to time in our own lives. And not that it's perhaps exceptionally common to have that thought, but... I know I've struggled with it before, and it's that feeling of being kind of isolated and alone and, you know, just disconnected in a way. And I want to talk for a moment about why this particular thought is not truthful. I think that when we ask ourselves about whatever thought we're having, is this really true? then we may have to come face to face with the fact that no it's not true it doesn't mean we don't feel it but if we unpack in other words for me if i say nobody loves me that really is not true i have parents who are alive who love me dearly i have children who love me dearly and would do anything for me and grandchildren I have really good friends who care for me and love me. So even to engage that thought and to start going down that road of nobody loves me, I'm believing a lie if I say that. So, you know, for me, that's one of the first things I ask myself about any kind of thought that I'm engaging. Is this really true? Now, I may be feeling that way, and there's there's truth behind my feeling, or we could validate the feeling, I suppose, but the fact is, is that the thought I'm engaging and energizing is absolutely not true. So the question becomes, why am I engaging and energizing that thought if it's not true? So tonight in the room, we have Candy. She's with us again and she was she stopped in i guess it was last week when we chatted about the i'm all alone 
and now we have nobody loves me just taking it maybe even a step further and I'm just going to ask you, Candy, have you ever thought that nobody loved you or you were, quote, unlovable? I think those two really do go together because if I feel like I'm all alone, then therefore nobody must really care or love me. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking this last year with COVID, you know, at Thanksgiving I was sick, so I wasn't going to go around my family. But I actually ended up Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's completely alone. And I remember the one thing I was looking forward to on Christmas Day was getting on Zoom, you know, with my dad, who's in a nursing facility, with all the family, just so I could see their faces, you know. But those thoughts came Christmas morning and New Year's Eve. I remember just really crying and having a hard night and just thinking, well, you know, really, does nobody really love me? You know, mm-hmm. and I think it, it does come in that place of being alone. And then those thoughts, they do kind of just start rolling in on you. and. You can just, you know, I can just stay there. This was the first year I've ever spent three holidays completely alone. But, you know, in the midst of that, once I worked through the emotions of all that, you know, I put on music, you know, worship music, and, you know, I got out my Bible and started reading, and I wasn't alone anymore. You know, God just shows up. So those were my thoughts on that while you were sharing. Gotcha. Thank you so much. And Monica, thank you so much for stepping into the room as well. We're glad to have you. Um, I don't know, have you ever engaged that thought? Like, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, or even so far as to say I'm unlovable as a result of something that that you've done? Hi, Victoria. Good to see you. Hi, Candy. Uh, Yes, um, I can remember at a young age asking my mom if she loved me. I remember her standing at the kitchen sink washing dishes, and I'm... Um, probably younger than 10. But I remember that, you know, patting her and getting her attention and saying, Mom, do you love me? So um, I guess I experienced that from a lucky. And of course she said, of course I love you. You know, you, I love you very much. But then um, becoming an adult, you know, um, we go through some things and nobody was liking my stuff on Facebook. So then I felt, wow, does somebody, does nobody like me? You know, they're not liking my post or my videos. So I can remember things like that, but I'm glad I came up out of that. Yeah. Thank you for the perspective also, Monica, about children and how it might even be something that started in young, you know, as a young child, where you may have wondered, like you ask your mom, does does anybody love me? And mom, do you love me? That sort of thing. And I, it made me think of with my children, there was this particular book and it was, I can't remember the title of it, but I just remembered the theme and it was to each of her children, it was like as if the mom were narrating this book, and to each of her children, she said she would say, I love you, thee, and then she had a color for them, because everyone wanted a superlative, right? Sometimes our children are like, well, you like him more than you like me. He gets a new pair of shoes again, or why did he get the biggest piece? Or, you know, in a child's mind, they may see their parents playing favoritism to some degree, or they may interpret it that way. 
And I love that book because then I was able to give my children each a superlative. And I just borrowed that concept. And so, Elaine, I love you the purplest. And here's why, you know, William, I love you the greenest and so forth to all my kids. And I don't even know if they remember that. It wasn't something I did a lot. But I do remember doing that when they were young and just affir affirming to them that, yes, I, I do love you. And... Um, you know, as they might vie for attention from a parent and things like that. But also, I think we could establish, we've all given examples now, three of us, of how we actually have felt that and how we've engaged those thoughts from, even as an adult, I have, I have felt that way. And now I'm more equipped, and Candy, you kind of were dancing around that, more equipped, better equipped to recognize those kinds of thoughts and it may be they're all lumped in there together and to really combat those. Now sometimes it doesn't mean that just because I put on the worship music or just because I, I open my Bible that suddenly the everything, you know, the room clears and I'm like, oh, okay, glad that's over and that's just enough to do it all for me. Sometimes I actually have to wade through those kinds of feelings, even the toxicity. It's almost as if I've got those big, you know, rubber pants on and I'm wading through like the the some kind of toxic soup sewage system or something like that and I, I'm just kind of trying to get my way out make my way out of that it's not that I just automatically pop out I'm faster getting out nowadays with those kinds of thoughts and feelings and and you know when I notice my emotions are going downhill often I say what are you thinking Victoria and I can backtrack and, I, and then I can say well is that true and if I say, no, it's not true right off the bat, then I'm, I'm okay, not going there. It's that instant shift out of gear and boom, I jump out of that toxic soup. But before, there, there was some wisdom for me at the time to actually allow myself to feel the feelings and not go to other things, go to other substitutes, what I needed, like you said, Candy, I just need to recognize that God loves me and the story ends there. That is it. That is all I need to know to function and to do my life. But in my humanness, it seems like I'm wanting a little bit more. And so I need to feel the feeling, which, and it's uncomfortable. So I need to kind of wade my way out of this acknowledge how I'm feeling saying you know it stinks that I'm I'm here Christmas by myself I don't like this this makes me sad because I value being with community I value being with my loved ones I, I value seeing them so of course I'm not going to feel comfortable right now because this is painful same thing with me sitting on the wooden floor crying because I wasn't at that party I, why did why was it so painful? Because I valued being with my children. I valued being in that scenario at that holiday. I valued all of that. And I just was on the outskirts of it. So sometimes I think there is wisdom in feeling the feelings, even when they're uncomfortable. And I don't know how you all go about feeling feelings, but I would love to know how you really do 
do you ever allow yourself just to feel the feelings or do you quickly kind of, you know, I can think of a lot of times that I went for the M&M bag or I went to, you know, just something that would distract my mind and pass the time, but I never really acknowledged the feeling or felt the feeling or gave myself permission to walk through a difficult thought and difficult scenario. Instead, I wanted escape from that and I wanted distraction from that and comfort. And it now I'm beginning to recognize, hey, Victoria, you're kind of stuck in this. Why don't you look at it a little bit deeper, invite the Lord in and allow yourself to feel sad instead of try to avoid it. So how do you two, and we'll start first with you, Candy, how do you actually feel your feelings, your, these kind of icky feelings? How do you feel them? Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And I, I'm going to go back just a minute because I was thinking one other situation that others may be able to relate to. When I was 12, my father uh, passed away. And so feeling like nobody loves me or cares, you know, that's an abandonment, too, in that, you know, feeling alone. And I was just thinking about, you know, uh, having other losses, you know, even in recent years. And it's hard after that because, um, you know, I didn't deal with those. I didn't deal with those feelings after he passed. In fact, when my mom would bring his name up or try to talk to me, I'd get up and leave the room. You know, it took me years till I was probably in my 20s before I could even talk about it. Once I had my own children, then I was able to go to counselor and try to work through that. So I think, you know, in regards to what you're talking about, how do you feel your feelings? I didn't feel a lot for many years. I wouldn't, I don't know if it was denial or just not, I just shut down. I don't know how else to just to articulate it. But so, you know, as time went on, now I learned, you know, I've learned to, it, to come out of that denial and be honest with what I'm feeling and for me to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm sad or I'm hurting. And yeah, I, I allow myself now to do that and feel those feelings. Um, so. But, but Candy, let me ask you this. Just, what, what is that like, though? Is it just that you acknowledge the feeling like I'm really feeling sad about this? Do you well, I, cry? Yeah, I, do you? I tend to stay really busy when I get, you know, I can always tell when I need to sit down and be still and figure out where my head is because I get really busy. So, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe I turn to food for comfort. Maybe I escape in a book, you know, that's a fiction or my, I'm not a big TV watcher, big movie person. So my, I would probably say mine goes to books, you know, or just busyness, just just not sitting with those thoughts, you know, but when I get still and I, you know, and I can admit that I'm even feeling them. So I, I guess maybe we all, you know, react a little bit different or, or work through things a little bit differently, our processes, you know, mm-hmm. because I was taught in my family, you know, everything's private. You don't talk about anything. It was, we didn't discuss things. You know, we didn't sit down and have these honest conversations. You don't talk about things like that. You know, you just suck it up and, move forward so that's more of my upbringing you know how my family was and so it took me years to be able to just even admit that hey I'm hurting here and then to be able to be transparent and honest and share that is really big that's huge and I'm glad you reminded us even about being still sometimes we have to slow down if we're really going to feel something 
we have to stop, you know, slow down and be intentional about feeling it. Even though it seems like our feelings are in control, that's really not true. We can actually influence our feelings to a large degree. And the best thing that I have in my own research, the best thing that I recognized and and come across is the importance of actually declaring how we're feeling and just asking ourselves how am I really feeling because when you acknowledge that it almost lets up lets off the steam valve that it goes and then suddenly we feel okay this I can deal with this now I I was so curious I I there's there's this lady named Mel Robbins and she she actually did this like the five four three two one to kind of get yourself going she has a new book coming out that where you and I can't think of what the name of it is I think it has the number five oh it's something like high five you give yourself a high five and because she was kind of in a slump herself I guess more recently and and so she is has been so intentional about going to the mirror you know look seeing her reflection and just going boop like that with a high five and I don't know all the studies she has research and everything just to indicate how important that is because it's almost like you're being seen and and you know you can kind of cheer yourself on in that now as Christians and I don't know what her faith is actually but as Christians we can go one step further and it's as if when we're feeling unloved and we reckon with the truth that God loves us and matter of fact he loves us so much he proved that and he demonstrated that love for us if we can kind of cling to that and recognize that then it's almost like we can accept a big hug from Jesus that spiritual kind of hug and tell him in as we pour out our heart and soul that that just how we're feeling and the reasons why we're feeling that way and we can almost you know be asking for for his presence for lord can you reveal yourself to me may i sense your presence right now in the here and now because i really feel like nobody loves me nobody cares about me they don't know what i'm doing they don't care about what i'm doing i'm just sitting here spinning in this void and so just that visual image maybe jesus can give us a high five it's like mm, no you're not you're not alone i see you i I know you're there and I hear you and anyway that kind of just came to mind but but you're right we have to be still and and recognize what we're feeling I think those are two really awesome tasks or action items that we can do that will start leading us in our thoughts once we figure out what we're thinking about in a much more healthier direction if we don't slow down and i'm i do the same thing you do candy it's like okay my kitchen is spotless when i'm worried about something or picking up something you know those worries and fears that i that i normally don't or shouldn't or don't want to but i do in my own humanness man i'm gonna clean everything this side of, and, that, and i always thought heck if i'm gonna do it that's a and otherwise at least it's productive it has good results but which is true but it doesn't help me to feel it and so being still I think is going to trump all day long 
being busy. So thank you for that perspective. That's amazing. Monica, how about you? I used to just internalize everything. I used to wallow in it and be hurt by it and eat the ice cream and everything. But um, but then um, I did seek some Christian counseling and she was like, you're not alone. People love you. You have friends. But most importantly, like you were saying, that God loves you. And then um, taught me the, the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, that we know our weapons are not of warfare are not carnal, but the mighty through God, through the pulling down of the strongholds, you know, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and, and bringing into captivity those thoughts, you know, so, so I thank God that I, I can go to that scripture and capture those thoughts and just throw them down now and know that I'm loved and know that I love myself because I know my worth now. I'm I'm a king's kid, so of course I'm loved. So thank God for pulling me through. I was thinking about another way that I do uh, deal with those feelings or is I journal a lot and I believe that journaling for me is very healing because sometimes I don't even know what I'm feeling till I start writing. And then all of a sudden I'm able to articulate it as I'm writing it out. And then other thoughts will come. And so to come out of that loop, that racing, like in your mind where you're repeating your story over and over, or you're saying over and over, I'm all alone or nobody loves me. And it's just, you're rehearsing it over and over and and you're, you know, in your mind. But for me, if I can start writing, in journaling that has been so healing for me and then later sometimes months years down the road I'll go back and look back at that to see what God has brought me through and it's just amazing I've encouraged some of my clients to keep a thoughts journal and that literally is writing down exactly what you're thinking about because until we as you mentioned also, um, Monica, until we take those thoughts captive, they can just kind of swirl around out there. And it's hard to, like, for example, if I'm trying to lasso a, so a calf, like, the, you know, the neck of a calf, like riding on my horse and I'm trying to lasso that calf, if I don't know what a calf is, but I know I'm supposed to lasso it, then good luck. I would just be throwing that rope, trying to, you know, grab a hold of anything. So I have to really recognize the thought itself in order to take it captive and to bring that under submission to God's truth. So keeping a journal, even just to vent, to do a can and can't control list, to pour out our prayers and our hearts to the Lord and tell him exactly what we're feeling and what we're thinking, just like David did, or, you know, to make that more analytical approach and actually itemize the thoughts or the thought clusters that lead us into uh, that toxic soup, lead us into the wrong direction. All of that, those are really beneficial action items I think that we can do to help work our way out of of this kind of thinking or just to process our feelings because again once we get it down and once we acknowledge how we're feeling our brain really likes that our brain likes that congruency when when we are articulating and expressing 
a, a thought that is really authentic and truthful, our brain likes that. It sees it as a good connect. On the other hand, if I'm just as sad as all get out and having a horrible day and someone says, oh, how are you, Victoria? And I say, I'm fine, thanks. My brain is instantly going, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What you just said is not true and it does not reflect how you really feel. Now, Caroline Leaf would go on to say that that causes brain damage of sorts because there's cognitive dissonance when we do that. There's not congruency in our thoughts and our expression of them. So it's so important to to get those down. And then as far as tactics we can take in addition to journaling, Candy, you mentioned listening to praise and worship music, reading our Bible, you mentioned, Monica, leaning on those scriptures and having those truth leads readily available that totally refute the toxic thought itself and prove it wrong almost. Now, I will say that if, let's say, we don't believe the, the truth, because obviously that's kind of, that got us in the mess we're in. Just because God says he loves me doesn't mean I will believe it. Just because I can read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you know, humankind, all of us, that he gave his son, just because I, I you know, say that, and I know that, and I understand that, and I have that head knowledge does not mean, believe, does not mean that I will believe it. So if we don't believe the truth, if we're struggling to believe that somebody loves me, you know, we don't know whether they do or not, or we just feel that way and we don't believe it, if we're struggling, then what we need to do at that point is just acknowledge and ask, acknowledge that we don't believe it and ask God to help us with our unbelief, because then it's an issue of unbelief. And I'm not trying to make this so sterile and just so simple and cut and dry because I know it's not. But I, I can tell you that there have been times in my life when I said things I didn't believe just because it was a Bible verse, but I really didn't believe it. But I was saying it as if, okay, I'm going to say this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I'm going to say that a gazillion times and then I'll believe it. It never worked for me because it it's not just that simple. It has to be something so deep within us. So then what I started saying was, Lord, your word says this. Help me to believe this and understand this, understand how it's true. So that's another thing that if someone's listening and you're struggling, you think, I know the Bible says God loves me, but I still don't feel it. I don't believe it. Then ask the Lord to help you with that area of unbelief. And by golly, he will do it. Do you all want to add anything else about other action items folks can take when they're struggling with the toxic thought, nobody loves me? You know, when it gets real deep, if you've tried everything and prayer still doesn't work, then Christian counseling is a wonderful tool. Which makes me think also of simply sharing our feelings with a trusted friend and bringing that kind of confession out into the open and just telling someone that, look, I'm really struggling right now. And I hope that we all have someone in our lives that we can be so transparent with and before and just lay it out there and let them know 
This is what I'm struggling with. I know what God says about this. I know the right things to think. I know, you know, to put on the praise and worship music. I know that I need to journal all these things. And I know, I know, I know. But sometimes it just takes that confession and reaching out and saying, I'm, I'm struggling. I need help here. And that kind-hearted response of, you know, I know where you've been and, and I'm sorry and it stinks. Sometimes if we just have some of those responses, it's also very therapeutic and there's emotional health that is, you know, we're, we're stepping closer to an emotionally healthy balance in our lives. So thank you for mentioning that. It's so good, Monica. How about you, Candy? That's what I was going to say is, is hopefully people have at least one person they could reach out to, um, to just love you through that. Uh, you know, if you, if you can just be honest with them and, you know, a, a good friend will pray for you and listen and maybe not even have the answer, but just be with you through it. Just be present. And that sometimes can mean a lot too. If we're believing a lie, and then if we are magnifying that lie in our lives, and if our behavior is following suit, in a way we may have, we may be erecting some sort of, I don't know if it would actually be idolatry or not, but it's, it's where we've given more time and attention and energy to something that's not true and I'm sure that 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 breaks God's heart and I, I did have one other little thought that I might add to this mix is something that I think it was St. Francis of Assisi that he said I used to have this quote on my fridge that said help me to to love more than I'm concerned about being loved if my mindset could shift toward who is it that I might be able to love? Who is it that may be feeling lonely? Who is it that I can reach out and show some kindness to? Then suddenly it, it, it's an easier way, I think, instead of guilting myself for being so self-focused and, and self-consumed and going down the self-pity road, and it all may be true that I'm doing that, but I like to kind of, kind of flip it and say, who is it that I can, I really want to be loved right now, but could I want to love others more than I desire being loved in this moment, in this holiday, on this holiday, in this season of my life? Who can I actually love and demonstrate that to? That is a Christ-like principle. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't need love and attention and affection and all of those things. But we have to square it away with who really ultimately never changes and always provides that for us. And that would be God. There's nothing, there's nothing like the love that he has shown and that he demonstrates every day for us. And that could be another prayer. Help us to recognize the extent to which God proved his love for us and how he loves us every single day. And then second to that, May I be a vessel of that love, and may I go out and find other people who need love. And because that fills, fills my tank, too. It's another way of serving others when, you know, it, it also helps me in ways because it's what God tells us to do. So if there's anyone listening that doesn't know, you know, that 
doesn't have a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship, you know. And I was thinking about uh, something I read not too long ago. You know, the song, Oh Holy Night, we sing at Christmas. And you come to the point that says, it says, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of the Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and arrow pining. And then it says, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And I was reading in a book called uh, Present Over Perfect, and she's talking about each soul is worthy because God made every soul, and because of his love, his son came to earth and walked among us because God's love for us is deep and wide and it's elaborate. And that's the thing that our very, our soul and our, we long for that, to know that we're worthy and we're loved by someone. But he loves, he loves all of us. So I just wanted to throw that out there that if there's anyone that, that doesn't know him in a personal relationship, that he loves you. And when he appears, that's when my soul fills his worth. So mm. thank you, Victoria, for doing this tonight. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> what a blessing. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful point to make. I, I love that, Candy. It's a such a nice way to even say it. And that's another one of our toxic thoughts is I'm unworthy. So that one's coming down the pike. But, but that demonstration of love that God did for that every individual, for each person, and the fact that when we meet that love, that suddenly we, we know, we, we live, we breathe, we act in a whole new way, and we realize that just how much he values us. So that's really a sweet way to, to kind of put that. Before we pray, I do want to know how any of my listeners might support you or your ministries. Monica? I'm just uh, Monica Thelmas on all platforms, and I have a, a group uh, called Purpose Push on Facebook. Right now, I'm on Facebook is uh, Candy Renee. That's probably the easiest way. You can private message me if you'd like, and I love to encourage and to speak hope into other people's lives, and that's what I'm heading toward. It's being a hope coach, so... Yes, you are a hope coach, and I'm calling you America's number one hope coach. That's my favorite tagline for you. So thank you, ladies, both for being here. And Lord God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for being in on this discussion. We thank you for the Victoria and Candy and all their and mine and all of our trials and tribulations that make a strong attest into a testimony lord god and we ask you to bless all the listeners out there and please let them feel your love let them know that they are loved because you love everyone and we love all your children And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. Thank you so much for tuning in. And say, if you like what you hear, please consider sharing this link to the show with a friend or a family member who you think might be encouraged by the inspiring and hope-filled messages that I try to put out every single week. So thank you so much for your support. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.